0: Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 227 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. This podcast is all around the news, information, and updates on wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is Molly Weiss from InvestNet. Now, Molly Weiss is a 17-year financial services veteran, and she drives InvestNet's end-to-end technology and solutions, ranging from portfolio management to financial planning to performance reporting, to digital account management tools, and more. Molly has worked to integrate the firm's acquisitions and its growing network of integrations with third-party partners and maintains a focus on investor and advisor user experience. And she holds an MBA from Santa Clara University. I've known Molly for a long time and watched her meteoric rise through the company. Uh, She's done a fantastic job there. And we spoke about uh, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, We covered the InvestNet platform, the... uh, InvestNet's, uh, we'll call it the old ENV2 InvestNet enterprise platform. It's configurability and integrations. We love talking about integrations here at Ezra Group. We talked about UMH, Unified Managed Households, and their holistic portfolio management oversight tools that InvestNet has. And something new, which I was excited about, a little geeky here, we're going to geek out on managed accounts. It is multi-actor trading UMA sleeves where multiple people, including advisors, can get into a single UMA sleeve and make trades. Uh, Very cool stuff. But before we get started, let's talk about tech stacks. Now, as a group, we've seen tech stacks of hundreds of RIAs. Let me tell you, most of them are loaded down with tech debt. So you shouldn't feel too bad about yours. But let's face it, tech debt is like a giant anchor holding back your business growth. If you want to free your firm for exponential growth, you should run not walk, to our website, EzraGroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, or run an RFP and help you implement new software to take your firm to the next level. You can take advantage of our free consultation offer by going to EzraGroup.com. A few quick housekeeping items that we always do before the interview. Uh, Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Check out investinothers.org. That's the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. They do a lot of good work in our industry, raising money to donate to charities that are uh, either run by or helped by financial advisors. I'm proud to introduce our guest. It is Molly Weiss, Group President of Wealth Management Platform for InvestNet. Hey, Molly.
1: Hey Craig, it's always good to talk
0: to you. I can't get away from you. Everywhere I go, I turn around, <laughs> you're there, you're at T3, you're at this conference, you're at that conference, we're always hanging out. Great. Where are you calling in from?
1: I'm actually in Walnut Creek, California. Um, my kids have the week off of school, so I'm uh, up with my dad and they're hanging out with their room. Oh, grandpa. nice. I
0: remember those days when the kids had off from school, <laughs> so you finally get to go fight the traffic to get, get away from things. So we are talking about all things InvestNet, technology, uh, how we're helping advisors. Uh, can you give us, uh, for anyone who's been living under a rock, uh, give us a 30-second elevator pitch for InvestNet.
1: Well, what I love to say is that InvestNet really provides technology for any kind of advisor or advisory firm persona that exists in our industry, um, from an independent You know, advisor in an RIA, all the way through to a broker-dealer representative. Um, And we really focus on helping the advisor serve their client. So portfolio management tools, reporting tools, data and analytics, financial planning, billing, really everything from kind of an end-to-end ecosystem that an advisor needs to serve their client.
0: It is amazing how you guys have grown and expanded over the years into a, a comprehensive platform. I remember when you just started out. Uh, but one of the things we want do I. Talk about, <laughs> yeah, one of the things we want to talk about was uh, integration. We might as well kick that off. Uh, and you were saying how um, the, the the capabilities of investing our integration are helping advisors to maintain their identity. How is that working?
1: You know, I think it's both advisors and larger institutions. But what we've really seen is um, that you know advisors and advisory firms are using the, the way that that firms like Investnet have opened up their architecture to integration to customize their client experience or their advisor experience. Um, and I think you know particularly the large large institutions that have you know development teams and techn- big technology stacks, They're able to use the power of our engines within their platforms so that they have a really strong identity out in the marketplace, but they're not having to rebuild a trading system or rebuild a compliance and oversight system or a proposal generation capability. So I like to think about InvestNet really approaching the marketplace with optionality. We think about it sort of as three different ways. One is you take our native user experience. It's very customizable or configurable. um, But if you need it out of the box, we give it to you if you're kind of in the middle and you want some of your own technology stack and some of investnets that's a that's a possibility as well but if you really are you know one of these larger institutions and you want to create a completely custom your own identity the advisor or the client doesn't even necessarily have to know InvestNet's in the background. You build your user experience and InvestNet powers you with our engines and our scale and all of the capabilities that we have. So I think that really allows firms and advisors to create an identity if they want one to be really independent in the marketplace without having to build their tech from scratch.
0: I think it's what a lot of people don't realize is if you're going with a, uh, a firm like InvestNet and you've got this full end-to-end platform, you don't have to use the whole thing. You could yeah. just use some pieces of it. You could use the core right. and add some stuff on the rounded. You could pull some point solutions in, and you've got a wide range of integrations. I mean, we, you guys, get to score very well on the Ezra Group Wealth Tech Integration Score uh, because of the, your the capabilities you've built over the years. So, can you give me an example, like a use case for an enterprise broker dealer, enterprise RIA, nationwide RIA, on how they would implement investment but also bring in point solutions where they wanted to.
1: I mean, I always think about CRM. So CRM is something that most firms, especially the larger ones, have a very specific, you know, tool that they want to use or a way that they want to customize. And so, you know, almost every larger institution and a good number of RIAs are using their own CRM solutions and then deeply integrating, particularly something like a Salesforce, where there's workflows and there's, you know, a lot of capabilities within the CRM. But then behind the scenes, it's Investnet's, you know, portfolio management's system or performance engine. And so we're serving up data into a CRM. So that's an obvious example. But some of the ones that maybe people don't recognize as as widely is something like a different risk assessment tool. So our proposal generation capability has a native risk assessment tool. Um, But if a firm or an advisor has another one that they love to use, kind of have a plug and play. So we can just let them use that experience, but then take in the risk score from that other vendor. And, you know, it, it becomes something that if the firm or the advisor wants to is very much their sort of secret sauce and they're creating this proposal onboarding experience. And again, they're using, you know, our, our scale and and our engine in the background. Um, So, so examples like that are really common.
0: Most enterprise, Broker dealers, enterprise RIAs, for CRM, they're almost all using Salesforce. It's just they are, yeah. the CRM of choice, Not, which isn't a good or bad thing. But I know from our clients working with you, uh, you have very tight integration with Salesforce, bi-directional. So That's right. it's a huge benefit because in the past, you'd update something in the CRM and then it maybe wouldn't go back to the investor or vice yeah. versa. The custodian would update something and then it wouldn't get back to the CRM. So... That's right. Talk a little bit more about that and how those integrations are helping uh firms build out their their capabilities.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean it it really comes down to, and this is one of the things I always like to say, we do well at InvestNet and it's my absolute favorite part of my job. I think you probably do a lot of this too, Craig, mm-hmm. but it's sitting down with the firm and understanding the, the practices that they have. So how does the advisor, what do they do? What's the first thing they do when they walk in in the morning? And you know, when, when a client calls in, what system do they go to first? And I so I think if you think about it that way, a lot of advisors and a lot of firms are living in their CRMs. And so our approach to integration with the Salesforce has been to, you know, make, create integrations that allow for the advisor to, you know, pull up a client in their CRM in Salesforce, but then see the performance data that work. So a client calls in and the advisor immediately sees, well, this is the client's portfolio evaluation, the performance, their most recent transactions. And then the client, you know, maybe they're calling because they need some cash. They can click a button and initiate a withdrawal request or a, a money movement request that involves trading and it goes straight through to the investment platform and our trading or portfolio man- management engine and then to the custodian. So, I mean, I think that what we want to enable is to allow the advisor to, to kind of do business the way that they want to um, and and power the experience that they're looking to support. And we see that all the time with Salesforce. So that's a pretty typical kind of use case.
0: Yeah, we do have a lot of clients. It's, we're seeing it more and more where broker dealers and enterprise RAs are building more and more capabilities into Salesforce to become the the tool that advisors live in all day. They never have to yeah. leave. They open accounts through Salesforce. They check, of course, right. all the CRM. They they can check, as you mentioned, um, performance holdings inside Salesforce and kick off many different workflows and actions from inside there. So it's it's become the the, the interface of choice.
1: It has been, yeah.
0: So moving on to, you mentioned uh, configurability. Uh, yeah. One um, thing we hear a lot when we're, now we, we do a lot of RFPs for, for broker dealers and enterprise RIAs. And when they talk about investment, they might say, well, everyone's got to invest in that. Why we don't want to ha- be like everyone else. But can you talk a bit about how, how configurability enables uh, firms to build out their, a completely unique platform?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, on the one hand, it's the thing that, really makes Investnet unique. And it's one of our strengths. On the other hand, it's kind of the bane of my existence, because <laughs> um, it means we support a lot of different features and a lot of different flavors of those features. Um, but, but we really, you know, when we started building the platform over 20 years ago, we, we took a very intentional approach of configurability. So we weren't building custom platforms for anybody. We were, you know, as we added new features, we we, we used to call them brand values because the very first thing we made configurable was a firm's branding. Um, mm-hmm. And so we very intentionally decided that every time we built a new feature, we weren't going to branch, you know, create custom code or create something that was very dedicated. We were going to add something that anybody could use. So what that's resulted in really is, um, you know, thousands of points of configuration and, that means that a firm or an advisor using Investments technology can really create almost what feels like a custom platform, but then it's not maintained like a custom platform. And, and the, the most important thing about that is it means that you get the benefit of all of the things that we add. So every time we add a new feature, an advisor or a firm can decide to turn that on or off, and it doesn't then interfere with, you know, what, what they've what they've created for themselves—it's definitely a challenge because that means that my team has to know exactly how to support these different flavors of configurability and and um, these almost custom platforms that are that are really just specific configurations. But I think what it allows is—you know—goes back to the point before. It allows for great, you know, personality in the platform that's very specific to that firm or that advisor, um, but in a scalable way. And and that's I think probably the. You know, of all the decisions that we've made at Investnet, that's been one of the the really smart ones that we that we made very 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 early
0: on. It's funny you mention that because it just today I just posted a, an article that I wrote. Uh, it's called "From Chaos to Clarity: Why You Should Change Your Processes, Not Your Vendors' Software." Because I mean, you have seen it. We've worked with you guys on 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 this on clients who shall remain nameless who gave you a punch list of hundreds of things they wanted to yeah. change before they would bring your software on because that's the way they were doing it with the other vendor. And yeah. we tried to convince them, look, you picked InvestNet or if you're moving away from InvestNet to another vendor, you picked this other vendor sure. because you like them better and because they had these capabilities that you didn't have before. Why don't you give them a chance to say, well, here's other things they've got that they've done better. They've been in business for a long time. Their software yeah. is the coalescence of hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions and inputs of best practices from the biggest companies all over the country. And you're getting that advantage. Why not take advantage of it? Don't ask them to change those workflows to match the way you're yeah. doing it. Maybe the way you're doing it isn't so good.
1: Yeah. Well and that goes back, Craig, to the to the thing I said about what I love about my job and what I think you love about yours is mm-hmm. is sitting down with a firm like that and and really being consultative and and hearing what what they're doing and then maybe Giving them some insight on what we've seen other firms do. I mean, we have the great advantage of seeing how a lot of different firms are doing business and seeing what works and what doesn't. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that that's that's a great thing about this the seat that I sit in, and I know the seat yes. that you sit in is is we yeah. get to sort of see what works and what doesn't. Um, and you're right, changing changing vendors is not necessarily going to solve all your problems.
0: But, but if if it, it will solve some problems, but let them solve the problems, don't give them a punch list and say, you need to change all these features to make, the, make yes. it match our workflow. Because oftentimes right. the workflow you're doing isn't really your value added. It's just the way you've always yeah. done. And if you're going with InvestNet, use InvestNet's workflow, see how it goes. You, yeah. Most likely, in most cases, eight out of 10, nine out of 10, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to scale better because you're using the system the way it's designed rather than making you go through this whole change process, going to yeah, development, right. changing screens, adding stuff, adding buttons and, and whistles and bells and whistles, which is changing the workflow that you've honed over the years to be efficient and effective.
1: That's
0: right. Right. And it's not that just said,
1: yeah. I mean, that said, sometimes you sit with a firm like that and, and they tell you something about what they're doing. And like in my feed, I'll be like, well, yeah, that actually probably makes a lot of sense and we need to add that point of configuration. But right. I think it's about the discussion and sort of that consultation.
0: Right. But it's, you know, we, we have a methodology where we walk through all their requirements and say, do you really need this and why are you doing it? Right. And nine, nine times out of 10, they don't really need it and no one remembers why they're doing it. <laughs> And as you mentioned earlier, most likely, most of what they want can be configured inside your platform to change the right. way things are working without calling the developers, which requires a change order. You got to put it into your into your product roadmap, right. which is booked out till 2028. Right? <laughs> and then when you get it, you got to test it and who knows. Right. So anyway, that, that's yeah. all of my article. Anybody wants to read that, go to WealthTechToday.com. You can read that article from chaos to clarity. All right. But now we're talking about InvestNet. So uh, we talked about what we both love about our jobs. Yes. Learning about how clients work and, and how they're doing business and how we can help them. Well, I like solving problems. That's one of the things I like about being a consultant is we get to solve complex problems for our Absolutely.
1: Clients. And so do you. Absolutely. It's my favorite thing to do.
0: And there you go. So let's talk more about some of the, the capabilities of the InvestNet platform. Let's talk about uh, something that's been on the agenda for a long, long time, Unified Managed Households, UMH. Tell me something new that I don't know about what investment's doing with UMH.
1: Well, um, you know, I think that, that it's a it's something that has been around for a long time, and I think a lot of people are talking about it. A lot of firms or technology providers say that they do it. I think that the the approach that we're taking is to Um, really allow the advisor to manage a household that has any type of asset um, or solution. So rather than just saying we're going to manage a number of investments at the household level in a tax efficient or asset location aware uh, way, um, we want that to be broader. So we want to bring in um, illiquid holdings. So we're bringing in alternatives to that, structured notes, certainly fixed income. um, But you know, longer term, I think it's any any um, anything that goes into an investor's net worth that the advisor wants to manage around. Being able to really have that model or look at that allocation at the household level, and then advise the client trade where they can, and then advise the client on what else they might need to do to kind of keep the right um, asset allocation, risk level, uh, time horizon on that. Portfolio That's really at the household level. So that's the work that we're doing right now. And the way we think about it is, you know, there's kind of the UMA, which is put anything in an account. And we're also investing in the UMA technology so that it can have alternative assets or, you know, illiquid sleeves um, and sleeves that are traded by multiple parties. But for us, it's important that that extends to the household and not just the single account because we really, you know, I mean, clients are going to have multiple registrations. They're going to have children that have accounts within the household. They're going to have hard assets, illiquid assets. And so that's really one of the really one of the, the big things that we're focused on with our roadmap in the next year to two years.
0: And will we also be able to include insurance in that? Because you've got the insurance exchange.
1: Absolutely. Because
0: that's one yeah. thing that's been a problem. Uh, I know for a lot of, a lot of people who are coming into wealth management um, and not necessarily in the higher net worth range, but even just the middle tier range is that they yeah. can't see everything in one place. They have to go to one person for their insurance, one person for uh, their estate planning, one person for their just standard wealth planning. Um, and again, if they, if they're higher net worth, they want to get into a liquids, that's another, another report. It's another screen or it's another, it's another uh, statement. So yeah, that's right. So you're saying investment will be able to bring all this together as one.
1: That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, we do annuities now. So Mm -hmm. annuities within the proposal right next to your um, traditional investments. Uh, We have structured note capability as well. So think about now we're adding alternatives and then we'll go kind of more broadly into you know, not just those managed assets, but but into unmanaged as well.
0: And that's going to save, I know a number of our clients a lot of headaches because now they're doing it all manually right With right. they want to do the structure notes they're using another system another platform right. away from from investnet so it's or they they have to build their proposals um by plugging in into a PowerPoint or into a word document um reports that they're pulling out of investnet and their and their uh, yeah. investment provider and their annuity provider and they had them they kind of got the Frankenstein their proposal together so now we can do it all in one place
1: yeah well and to be clear some some of some of what advisors do like you know think of alternatives as an example they mm-hmm. they may do all of their research and and the, the qualification process of an investor or an advisor to use alternative investments may still happen on another platform but it'll be deeply integrated into the investnet technology and that, and that goes back to this kind of open architecture approach because you know what we see is that Firms may want to use um, different providers or, or point solutions for something like alternatives or structured notes or, you know, insurance. And so it's important that we, just like we are when it comes to um, third-party managers, you know, it's we take an open ar- architecture approach. We'll do the same, um, but ultimately being able to view that portfolio, that household-level portfolio, and then allow the advisor to manage it holistically using our platform, using our mm-hmm. scale. You know, that you and I talked about this. That word personalization is so overused, and I kind of even hate to say it out loud even anymore. Say it.
0: Just don't, I'm I'm sorry. Gonna, I want to bleep that out.
1: Like a okay, curve. bleep it out. Um, <laughs> but it, but, but what, what we know advisors want to do is to serve the needs of each of their clients, but not have to pull out spreadsheets to do it because you can't possibly scale and you're not spending mm-hmm. the right time on the right clients when you're doing that. So that's the goal. I mean, if you just kind of boil it down mm-hmm. to its essence, I think that's what it is.
0: One joke we make with uh, with new clients is what would I say? What would happen if tomorrow, when you came in, and Excel didn't work, and and everyone goes, we would just shut our doors. We couldn't even operate. So. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what provider. what, what That's so sad. What technology. Everyone's got Excel plugged into all over the place. I know. Right, filling gaps, managing stuff, tracking, yeah, trading, or everything. So yeah, we're we're not that. I'm gonna have, use
1: another. I'm gonna use another. Amen. I'm going to use another term you told me not to use, but like maybe somebody should replace Excel with AI. Maybe that's what somebody should focus you on. don't like... use
0: that. <laughs> Molly. Yeah. I know, I'm just breaking all the rules. Whatever you do, don't say the word friction.
1: <laughs> Swivel chair?
0: No. Yeah, don't say that either. Yeah, we'll have a whole <laughs> other, we'll have another episode where we're just going to talk only in industry buzzwords. We'll do industry buzzword bingo and everyone can have a card and they can they can uh, I love it. Let's do hand. it. That
1: would be so fun.
0: We'll do that. Maybe we'll do that as a panel at at the next conference, industry buzzword bingo. (laughs) All right, cool. All right. So we're running rapidly running out of time as we always do whenever you and I talk. Uh, So you mentioned um, you, you threw it out in passing. Like it was no big deal. Molly, you said um, advisor traded sleeves and you said multi-actor sleeves. What the hell is that? And how do you do that? Uh, I mean, we've had pro getting one trader, into a sleeve. Yeah, you're going get multiple traders in the sleeve. I don't believe you. I'm calling bullshit. Well, To be
1: fair, all right, fair enough. Uh, but also to be fair, we're yeah. we're legging into it. So what I would say is that the nirvana of UMA technology and capabilities is that you have an account that has multiple sleeves, the sleeves own their shares or own their lots, and you can have multiple actors, meaning you could have a money manager in there trading a sleeve, meaning executing trades of a sleeve. You could have an advisor executing their trades. You could have Investnet executing trades. Um, And then maybe you, you have a more illiquid you know, sleeve as well. So you've got this mult. That's what we when we talk about multi actor UMA. That's what we're talking about. Um, and so that's that's our roadmap. So that's where we want to get and where we know we need to get. Um, what we're doing to kind of leg into that is starting with more control over the sleeves. And and where we're getting the most de- demand for that first is with the advisor sleeve. So we have a lot of firms that are you know leveraging the power of the UMA to help an advisor. Um, you know use more managed accounts. So they retain some of their, you know, special secret sauce when it comes to to creating models. So maybe they're a great small cap model creation or model creator. Um, But they look to outsource, you know, the other asset classes or the other parts, sleeves of the UMA. Um, But what the advisor wants is to retain control over that sleeve so they can, you know, decide to transition assets, you know, that maybe have come over from another advisor or just to to be able to explicitly say, I want to trade this sleeve this specific way. So the way that we're legging into that future nirvana state of multi-actor trading is by them control first. So advisor controlled sleeve, manager controlled sleeve, where InvestNet's still doing the trade execution, meaning the actual submission to the custodian. Mm -hmm. Um, And then longer term, it's, you know, we step out of the submission of the trades and it really is the advisor submitting the trade, the manager submitting the trade. And that's where we get to that nirvana. So you're right. um, Mm -hmm. You're you're right to say, are we going to get there? It's the right Mm -hmm. question. But I think it's really important. I think it's the future of the UMA and I think it's, um, it's what we need to do.
0: We're already seeing some of our larger broker-dealer clients launch um, advisor-traded sleeves. So it's, yeah. it's here already. It's already here. So why not do multi-actor-traded right. sleeves? Might as well give them the, the capabilities uh, that they're going to ask for it at some point. Uh, you that's mentioned right. the nirvana state. and yeah. the. You, you also mentioned transition sleeves. And that's to maybe we can end with that. That's, that's something a lot of firms don't think about, how they're going to handle that. Um, and, yeah. and the capability of a transition sleeve to... Able to sell down and slowly move uh, assets over time into the model without incurring major tax consequences is a scalability play.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know, I think we've had the concept of like an unsupervised position where you're just like holding it off to side. And that works to some extent. But I think what that doesn't do is give the advisor a scalable, really thoughtful way of getting out of the position over time and still having management of the position. Because the minute you say it's, it's unsupervised, it's isolated, it's out of the portfolio, the advisor can't bill on it. The advisor can't really manage it and isn't taking management of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and isn't adding the value that they should be adding, right? Mm-hmm. So what what we've added is, and sometimes you'll hear us call call it parking sleeve. You know, Investnet we're we're famous for having really creative names for things, but mm-hmm. um, but really it's a transition sleeve uh, within a UMA or within an account that allows the advisor to decide how it will be, um, you know, transitioned to managed or to the managed part of that portfolio. And we've seen mm-hmm. firms are really excited about this. Advisors and firms are excited because it's so much a part of their existing workflows, um, and that they don't have to use Excel. So it's awesome.
0: I'm excited. I love anything about UMAs. Anything UMA related, managed accounts related, we're going to geek out on it. And that's what what we do on this podcast. All right. You know, we've run out of time, Molly. Fantastic. You've said it all. Can you please tell everyone where they can find more information about InvestNet?
1: Well, we have a lot of presence on LinkedIn. Um, You can look me up on LinkedIn and then you can always find out more at investnet.com as well.
0: Molly, thank you again for being on the program and sharing all this great information for us.
1: Always great to be here. Thank you very much, Craig.
0: Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode with Molly Weiss. Number one, configurability. InvestNet is one of the most configurable platforms on the market. One reason is they've been around for the longest time, uh, 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 a very long time. And because they have, their clients have uh, continually helped them drive uh, interaction with the system and drive new features to the system, drive drive new configuration options to the system, which on one hand makes it harder to learn, a little bit of a longer uh, learning curve. But... Once you get up to speed, you can basically create almost any platform you want, any program you want on their platform. So even though a large percentage of the industry runs on InvestNet, each firm can have very unique product offerings uh, by configuring the platform to the way they would need. Two, unified managed households. It's been around for a while. Uh, InvestNet is doing a good job delivering on the capabilities that people expect in unified Managed households. Uh, their goal is to allow advisors to manage any type of asset or solution at the household level. And some new things coming uh, soon, according to Molly, are uh, elic- support for illiquid holdings, alternatives, and insurance products. Number three, multi-actor trading UMA sleeves. Cool stuff. Um, it's not easy to build these type of technologies that allow advisors to directly trade a UMA sleeve. The reason being is you don't want to damage the scalability. What UMA is an operational construct. It's not something that a client is going to come to an advisor and say, hey, I want that UMA thing. UMAs are sold, not bought. And um, in order to do that, um, in order to get the capabilities of UMA, you need to centralize it. So allowing advisors to trade in a sleeve, if not done correctly, could impact the scalability. So uh, impressive what InvestNet is planning to do here. The future goal to allow multiple parties to execute trades in a sleeve of UMA. They're going to start with advisor control control sleeves based on client demand, and will eventually allow managers, advisors, and InvestNet to all trade separate sleeves inside the same UMA. Well, there you go. Thanks for listening. You made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Before you go, head to our website, EzraGroup.com. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month you receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news updates, and alerts. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and talk to you all again next time.